the scariest thing, honestly, was they'd made 16 successful films for any director, if they're speaking honestly, coming into this thing, your biggest fear is, am I going to come in and just destroy it all? Am I the one that is going to ruin that record? I'm Sean Fennessy, Editor-in-Chief of The Ringer, and this is The Big Picture. What makes a Marvel movie work? Is it the action? The interconnected universe of storytelling? The movie stars? With rare exception, it's not really any of those things. It's the humor. From Robert Downey Jr.'s wise-cracking Iron Man, to the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, which treats Interstellar War like a slapstick movie, the best Marvel movies are the funny ones. Now we have the funniest one yet. Thor, the Norse god played by Chris Hemsworth, who wields a big hammer and a Shakespearean accent, has always been kind of a blank character. But in Thor Ragnarok, he's a different kind of hero. Charming, self-aware, and most importantly, a comedian. The credit for that goes directly to today's guest, Taika Waititi. He's a filmmaker who started out as a comedy writer and performer in New Zealand with people like Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords fame. And Waititi is yet another in a long line of unlikely director choices by Marvel. Before Ragnarok, he'd made four films, all small, all in New Zealand, and all comedies, including last year's sweet and tart Hunt for the Wilder People. With the third Thor movie, he's turned a stately story into something much goofier. And as he told me, he did so largely on his own, without Marvel looking over his shoulder during the production. We talked about making Marvel funny, getting Kate Blanchett to play along, and a lot more. Without further ado, here's Taika Waititi. Very excited to be joined by Taika Waititi. Taika, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. This is a pleasure. Um, I'm a huge fan of your films, though I want to talk to you about how the hell you got here making a Marvel movie, because the movies that you were making before this are quite different from Marvel movies. They are very different, um, very a lot smaller. That's right. A lot smaller in scale and in budget, but just as big in heart. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, you were making films mostly in New Zealand, comedies with some dramatic elements hunt for the wilder people last year people a lot of people saw that yeah what we do in the shadows take me back to the moment when someone from marvel contacted you and said you should make a thor movie well um i was in hawaii We'd just given birth to our second child and the jermaine and i've been trying for years <laughs> um and and i was editing hunt for the wilder people so i was halfway through the edit for that and you know i get an email from my agent saying the ep from uh, from marvel would love to talk to you about Thor, the new Thor film. And my initial reaction was, uh, not sure if I'm very well suited to one of these kind of films. I'd seen them and enjoyed them, but had always thought, man, how do you, how do you even do this? Like logistically and just creatively, how do you get your he- head around tackling something so big? Uh, I had a meeting on Skype with him, and he told we- me, okay, we're going, you know, we're, the Hulk's going to be in it, and we, yeah, we, we. But basically, what he said was, we really want to change. The whole franchise. Chris is feeling like you know it's getting a bit, bit too familiar for him playing that character the way it is. We want to tap into how funny Chris is. We want to just venture off in a completely new direction with the franchise and just shake it up and make it more fun and make it more of a cosmic adventure. Mm-hmm. And that was really exciting for me because my favorite of the, the Marvel franchises have you know have been Guardians and probably Iron Man. But each of those franchises are so solid in in their identity and so solid in, in, in knowing what they are because they had strong filmmakers behind them who know what they want. And, you know, and I, the best example is James Gunn and, you know, who's done such an incredible job with Guardians. It You know, I, I would never in a million years want to do a film, a Guardians film, 
after he's yeah after what he's done because right. it's just I just wouldn't feel like I could have any ownership or bring anything unique or have any kind of stamp that I could put on it. But Thor was the one franchise where I felt like it didn't quite know itself as well as the others and it just had so much more potential for to be shaped into something new and that's what became exciting for me so I thought yeah I can come in after all the groundwork and the foundation laying that that Branagh and Taylor did on those first two films which I I like those I like those films but they did all the hard work in like you know explaining what Asgard is and who Heimdall is and the Bifrost and like all these crazy names and things yep. that you've got to take on They've done all that, and all I had to do was like come in, walk into the door with all my crayons and like you know colors and and crazy characters, and so yeah, so I, I had a, a way easier job coming into that. When Marvel comes to you, what do they say? They say you have a great comic sensibility, and we want that in your film. How do they talk about it? Really, they said you know we've seen we've seen shadows, but the thing for us that really really made us interested in you was your second film, Boy, hmm. and I think really that just they. It's not enough for them just to get someone who can tell jokes. You know, they want to find storytellers who can access the, um, you know, the dramatic side and, and, you know, and kind of massage some pathos into into their fun stories as well so that it means something. Um, you know, and those are the best films that swing between drama and comedy and, you know, it's something for everyone and it's a bit more of an emotional ride. And and, and so, yeah, so they, they said, look, why, you know, Obviously, you haven't done superhero movies before, but we have. We know what we what we want and what we're doing from the spectacle side of it, from the you know from what the fans want. But we want something, someone unique, and we want new and original voices in our universe, which is why they got James and the Russos in the first place. Mm-hmm. What was the scariest thing about considering taking it on for you? The scariest thing, honestly, was they'd made sixteen successful films, and. I think for any director, if they're speaking honestly, coming into this thing, your biggest fear is, am I the one that is going to ruin that record? Yep. <laughs> you know, am yep. I am I going to come in and just destroy it all, and you know, topple that house of cards? And so, what do you do to prevent that? You actually just have to kind of. I think you have to give over that fear and turn it into trust. And trust that they do know what they're doing, and that Kevin is a genius, and and that Lou and Victoria and the three of that those three together are like this sort of this this kind of um, trident of success. Who know they know their fans, they know the they know the universe they're they're creating and how everything interacts and weaves to the point where I was like, oh great, this is someone who thinks like me and who wants to. Just do something different and and surprise everyone all the time, which meant that I felt my ideas and and you know my sensibility was really suited for for this film. Did you did you care about Thor before this? Because I candidly no, I, I, I didn't really care no, about Thor <laughs> no, up until I mean, this. This is the first a, movie. It wasn't a character. It wasn't a, any. I'd never collected any of those those comics. I collected a lot of comics when I was a kid. But you know, my things were X Men, New Mutants, and um, you know, Batman. Um, and then a few like um, Vertigo and Dark Horse things, like sort of those the weirder things. But um, even Iron Man, like it wasn't really my thing. I felt like they were probably too, I don't know, for some reason I felt like too mainstream or yeah, something too as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I uh, just sort of felt kind of old and weird. And 
but it's actually a character I've come to love so much, mainly because of Chris. Yeah. And mainly because I can't think of Thor now without thinking of Chris and what he's what he's brought to the character. He's a Norse yeah. god from yeah. Australia. And so and so really we just sort of gave him permission to just, you know, inject more of himself into the into the character. Because, you know, I mean, who the hell can relate to, you know, a rich kid from outer space? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody. And, you know, he just carries a hammer around all the time. And nobody can and nobody really wants to. So how do we make him more relatable and make a version of this character that the audience can identify themselves in? And a and big part of that was, yeah, make him ask the questions, make him surprised by what we're surprised by. Mm-hmm. So when he sees Jeff Goldblum, he's like, what the hell? Who the hell is this? And, yep. like, you know, he's constantly, when he gets to Sakaar, he's just confused all the time, which is really what the audience is um, experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so and I think my theory really is that the audience is drawn to the character who's, who's talking or, or acting like them or reacting to the environment as right. they are. And then, uh, which is really all you want, you know, you want the audience to be on Thor's side and to be with him on the journey. Yeah, and you took things away from him and made him the, the yeah. weak character. You have lost to the hammer, lost Earth. He's you lost know? his powers, he's lost, exactly, yeah. he's lost his friends, he's alone. Hammer. Quite unique, it was made from this, this special metal from the heart of a dying star. And when I spun it really, really fast, it gave me the ability to fly. You rode a hammer? No, I, I didn't ride the hammer. The hammer rode you on your back. No, no, no. I, I used to spin it really fast, and it, it would it would pull me off the. Oh my God! The hammer pulled you off the ground. It would pull me off the ground, up into the air, and I would fly. Every time I threw it, it would always come back to me. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer, and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it. Every single character, except for Korg. Um, Played by oh, Sakar, played by the great New Zealand actor, director, private dancer, <laughs> Taika Waititi. Um, every character wants to take something from Thor. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, it's like, you know, they want to exploit him, sell him, eat him, kill him, make him fight, you know. And, and the, but, you know, there's very few characters who, who come in who are just like, hey, I just want to be your friend, man. You know, <laughs> which is. That's true. That is your character's vibe. <laughs> yeah. Let's hang. So tell me a little bit more about the rest of the cast aside from yourself and Chris Hemsworth. I mean, Kate Blanchett's in a Marvel movie. She's, this is a crazy she's thing. in this Marvel movie. That is a crazy thing. I would often like check in with myself and say, you know, you realize that Kate Blanchett's just there and like in front of the camera and you're like, you're directing her. Or t- Tony Hopkins or, you know. So it's like, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. Or Jeff Goldblum. You know, those are the three that I was really like, I often would sit there and go, Wow. Who would have thought? How do you guys do that? I mean, obviously Anthony Hopkins is in the previous films, but with Kate and Jeff in particular, huge names, serious performers, Jeff maybe a little bit less so on the serious Mm -hmm, side, mm -hmm. but is that something that you're in the room with Marvel and you guys are like, what would be the most mind-blowing way to get person X in here? What's the creative process of that? A little bit. The great thing now about Marvel is that everyone wants to be in the films. Mm -hmm. So when I came in, it was really like, well, let's just take our pick of people and, you know, we'll get one of these amazing people for sure. She was the first choice for me as well. I went and talked to her and, you know, she was thoroughly confused by what I was talking about with, this, you know, with Thor and with this universe and all these things. And I thought, okay, okay, basically, forget what everything I've said. It's just a film about a guy trying to get home to save his house and from burning and the arsonist is you. And you're in the house. <laughs> and 
Well put. Do you want to play someone like that? You know, it's after hours, but set in space. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying to get home, and he's accompanied by just this ragtag bunch consisting of his annoying brother, a bipolar guy who's prone to, you know, anger spells, yep. and, um, and, and a drunk chick. Yeah, it's like a like a chamber piece. You yeah. know, it's a small yeah. drama yeah. set in outer space. For her thing also was, you know, she'd just come off Carol. Hilarious film. And um, <laughs> and um, Todd Haynes was I, here last week. I feel like, I feel like, for her, I gave her shit about that every day on set. <laughs> it was just like, hey, Kate, is this, how is, is this like more or less fun than, um, than Carol? And... Will you be uh, signing on for Carol too? <laughs> <laughs> the expanded she, um, Carol universe. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, um, but she really, yeah. She's one of her points was like, I've been doing these award-winning roles where I cry and go there and like, you know, sort of like strip myself of you know these of, of emotions and I just want to like do some fighting and like wear a funny costume and make a movie that my kids want to see mm-hmm. and something that's fun and doesn't it's not like you can invest some time and effort into it as an actor I guess but something that's not gonna just like ruin your day mm-hmm. and you know you can enjoy going to work tell me about that though how do you do that on a movie this big because I imagine the sets of your previous films are probably pretty fun but yeah, you know the stakes are probably a little bit lower given what's what's it what's happening. Well, How many people are my there? sets. Yeah, exactly right. My sets are very fun. I play a lot of music. There's a lot of you know. I basically create an environment where it feels like you're making a film with your family to the point where you can give each other shit and like really like lay into each other and and make fun of each other's work. And you know, I invite anyone to make fun of me and my directing style, which is not even a style. It's just like telling giving people line readings and. Um, <laughs> It's just a, a fun environment because I'm trying to recreate the environment that I had when I was working with my mates, you know, in my first films. It was just like that. We were just all of our friends. We didn't – there were no egos because no one was famous. And, you know, we just yell at each other and tell each other, no, that was shit, do it again, like, yeah, do it like this. And, and, and just trying to kind of create the coolest thing we could. Can that work on a movie like this? Can you well, say that, that was my big Ruffalo? fear. My big fear was coming in and being like, oh, man, now I've got to deal with these egos. I've got to deal with people who – you know, they don't want to be told what to do, and now I've got to like go into like, oh, Kate, you know, you know, remember when your character was like, you know, and she's like, I don't want to think about that kind of thing. This is like, she's like, just <laughs> this is tell a me how movie. to say it. Yeah. I don't care. Like, she's got nothing to prove. <laughs> yep. And so when you, and that's what I realized. You come into this thing. These actors are so good and like so experienced. They don't have anything to prove. They don't care if you, you know, if you want to tell them exactly what you need because the time's running out. You know, it's not insulting to them. If they've won two Oscars, mm-hmm. you know, because if they need to have that conversation, sure, they can. But also, you know, look at the costumes they're wearing. And, you know, it's like we are faking it to some degree, sure. you know, for the audience. So that, so my whole plan was I'm just going to play music and I'm going to try and recreate that feeling. And, it, you know, it worked. You know, I've heard about these film sets and visited a couple where it's just you can hear a pin drop and it's completely silent. Everyone's stressed out and, like, you know, the actors just don't want to do anything wrong. But I'm like, we have to do things wrong. We have to, like, reach for the mistakes because that's where the great ad-libs will come from. That's where, like, jokes like, um, you know, like Korg's The Foundations joke at the end of the film, like, where that comes from, from just messing around and trying something dumb. So my big thing was, please try the dumbest thing you can think of because there could be some piece of gold in there. In any case, you know this, uh, this, uh, you call yourself Lord of Thunder. God of Thunder. <laughs> 
I've never met this man in my life. He's my brother. Adoptive. So I think the perception of Marvel movies, any tentpole movie, is that these are very controlled environments, that the scripts are very sacred, you're dealing with the mythology, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But your I style think, is obviously totally I think different. On, I think on the other, on the previous movies, it probably was a bit like that. Mm-hmm. The script is sacred. This one, um, I feel like they... And I don't know how the other you know, funnier films were made. I've, I've heard that Iron Man was probably a similar thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they really downy, just, just exactly. Yeah. And which is my style. I love that. I love that kind of working. And um, for me, the um, the best thing that ever happened was that they just left left us alone, and that they allowed us to treat the script more as a suggestion or a blueprint, and that we could come in and. So here are the key things from the scene that we need to say so the audience knows what's happening. How we get between those things is up to us mm-hmm. and like how we make it fun and like turn it into a real conversation between two people who are actually listening to each other. Mm-hmm. That's our goal because mostly when you watch these films, you can see the actors are like, here comes my line, here comes my line. I said my line and I looked really serious. Yep. You know, and, but you and make it, it sound like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, you well, know? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's very similar to that. Yeah. Very similar style. Um, you know, we actually did have a script with mm-hmm. dialogue, but we threw a lot of that away just once we started blocking and once we talked, you know, talked with the actors. And, you know, and I just like said, look, be very honest. If you don't want, if there's a line you don't want to say, we need the information, but just, figure, you know, we have to figure out how to say it in a way mm-hmm. that you, it makes you comfortable. I would often say, I don't want you to say this line because it's it's very bad. Mm-hmm. And once we had that freedom, we would just riff a lot, and you know, I would just I basically just sit next to the actors, next to the camera, and yell stuff at them, and suggest lines, and then tell them to do it again, and say like this, and do this, and that. And so there's a lot of talking and resetting, and just doing stuff and doing stuff. And so, and the best example of like how you can see. Well, you can see how much fun people are having is, you know, any of the scenes with Bruce and, and Thor, like this classic one in the street, they're kind of bickering about going back to Asgard, I want to go to Earth, and blah, 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 you're just trying to use me to get to Hulk. And all of that was really just us shaping it over 20 takes to the point where you can see they're listening to each other because like, I don't know what he's going to say, I don't know what I've got to, I've got yeah. to kind of, yeah, and, and it, there's an energy there where you like, you can almost see them smiling when they're talking because mm-hmm. they're like, I love this. They're I love this. Each this other. is why I became an actor because I feel the fire and I can feel this, like you know, this energy. And often, you know, they would call cut and stuff, and they'd like be leaping around so excited. They'd be like, "Oh, oh that felt so, that felt so real and so human and so alive." And and it's like really amazing seeing actors excited by that. But also in this movie, you've got Led Zeppelin soundtrack battle scenes. How do you balance those two things, and what's it like to try to make something like that? Well, the Led Zeppelin song I put in my sizzle reel when I was pitching. So I'd cut together a whole lot of things, you know, to show the sort of tonal approach I wanted to take and, um, you know, just from different movies and and then put the entire thing to Immigrant Song. They loved that reel, but they also loved that song so much that, you know, when I got the job, they said, Kevin said, that we should also explore getting the rights to that because, you know, it's notoriously hard slash impossible to get a Led Zepp song in your film. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, shit, if anyone's going to do it, it's the studio. And in the edit, we'd always wanted to open the film with that song. Um, and But once it came to the trailer, what you do is you, like, send Led Zepp the clip with the song and you send them money <laughs> so that there's no negoti- negotiation. They don't watch the clip and go, like, oh, you know, if you choose... They watch it and go, 
yes or no. I'm trying to picture Jimmy Page watching a Thor movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to sense. picture yeah. him watching the trailer and like bobbing his head. Um, very interesting. Finally, someone gets us. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, a lot of people said, I can't believe it took this long for Immigrant Song to show up in a Thor movie. Know, so you were, know. you know, you were on track. Um, the uh, And then in terms of all the action stuff, that was the most rigid and, um, you know, the most kind of prescriptive we ever got was having to stick to a lot of previs or stunt, stunt viz stuff mm-hmm. because it just makes sense to you. You don't really want to be improvising stunts. Um, that, was that stuff interesting for you to be doing? Because you did, obviously didn't it have was, a lot of experience. It was kind of interesting. It's not as interesting as, you know, having fun and, you know, with the actors and stuff like that. Just cutting down, you know, a, a little sequence into, like, minuscule little shots where it's someone landing in a three-point, you know, pose or anything like that is not massively interesting to me. When it cuts together, it's like, oh, wow, that's incredible. It's like making a music video. But on the day of shooting, it's, it's, it's pretty laborious. Little dull, yeah. yeah. Was there ever a moment when you got the sense that Marvel was nervous about anything that you were doing here? No, there was never a moment where I I got the sense they were even paying attention. There was um, that's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing because we were in Australia, and most of the time they were in Atlanta dealing with Spider Man, and um, the I think Black Panther was about to start shooting. There was a whole, you know, a whole lot of stuff going on, and so we were in Australia, kind of by ourselves, just mm-hmm. left left to our own devices. Mind you, haven't said that everything changes in post, and that's sure. where they're masters of the you know of their storytelling is like they get into post and they get their hands dirty and they like deconstruct everything and mm-hmm. you know reform. Did you get it. precious about that at all? About saying like, I didn't. I didn't get precious because it was not my source material and not my script. Mm-hmm. And so like it was for me. It was like I don't care. You, you can totally tear the story apart. You know, interesting. There's only things that I was precious about with jokes and little cool human moments. I like cool little moments between characters. You know, like certain expressions or certain lines of dialogue. But did you have any concern about getting into a world where you hadn't told the beginning of the story and you're not going to be telling the end of the story? No, because I I don't feel like when you look at it, it pretty much is an episode within the larger thing. But for me, I really feel like this film stands alone and can be watched by itself without any prior knowledge of mm-hmm. anything. And I, That's and true. That was one of my like main goals was to make something that felt like one of my films that could kind of easily go in the collection of films that I've made and could stand alone by itself. But you know, often, but obviously, would reward viewers who had seen all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about New Zealand. Um, I, I want to know what. It was like coming up in New Zealand as a filmmaker, comic writer, actor. Um, yeah. And also, I'm, I don't know very much about the film community. I think what everybody yeah. knows is Peter Jackson. Yeah, that is pretty much the community. No. Um, <laughs> well, New Zealand is very small, obviously. There are not a huge amount of filmmakers and not a huge amount of money to make films. We have a film commission. It's a government body who finances everything we do. And we don't have really, we really don't make films privately. And I just came up through the years um, after making a couple of short films made my first feature and just sort of just kept going and luckily for me it had a good track record and had good successes where it just became easier for me to access that that money yeah you were the the owner of box office records in the country yeah 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 yeah. yeah. two the two highest um grossing new zealand films but also you know it's it's a bureaucratic system at the film commission often um steeped in like just this long-winded development hell which we call it where scripts can be in the in development there for five years mm-hmm. you know before. not so different from hollywood probably not different from hollywood but like it's the only place you can go there are no alternatives you right. couldn't even say like oh i want to get my script and go yeah it's 
And the community is, you know, it's actually pretty strong. I think we make good films. We probably make about five or six features a year. Were you eager to make a pure Hollywood product? I was, but I had um, I had no real desire to make a, a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something, a, a cool film in the studio or, you know, something that... I had no real desire to make, like, an American indie film. But I just felt like I'd, I've got enough of those in New Zealand mm-hmm. and, and I like working in New Zealand. And also my, I've got a bunch more scripts that I want to do that I'd rather do, and I'd rather do my scripts than someone else's indie films. So... So yeah, so I've I'd, but I would always dreamed of like yeah yeah it'd be awesome to be on one of these giant sets and do these action things and work with all these people and I always imagined you would do something that like a Will Ferrell comedy or something like that. Was there a time when you were messing with the studio comedy system? Yeah, but I started really feeling like I can't really tell the difference between the directors of any of those films. I can't name many directors of any of those those Will Ferrell films or any of those you know like the. Um, any of those got you know, like, you know, the, the Apatow films and all those, you know, which, and I, I love watching them. I think they're really funny. But I, as a director, I was like, I don't know about, like, how you would really, like, imprint yourself on those things. And it's really just point the camera at those geniuses and let them talk and do all the jokes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's your movie. Right. And, you know, and I watch those movies, I'm just like, yeah, I don't even care about what the shots look like. I don't care about the style. I just want to see these guys tell jokes and you know. And That's be so who interesting, they are. considering that you, I mean, had such a hand in creating everything around all of your previous films too. That you'd be willing to, you know, not be so, you know. Oh, I wasn't willing. That's that's what I mean. I was, I didn't want to do one of those comedy films. Oh, I see. What you're I didn't think I would have a voice. I didn't think that. I just if if, if there's ever been like a script or something in Hollywood where I felt like. Anybody could make this. You just turn the camera on and, and, and point it at these guys and let them do their thing. That, for me, is not really a... There's no, no point. Mm-hmm. Do you, will you make another Thor movie? I'd love to. I, 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 and the reason, really, is because I've loved working with Chris and, and Mark and, and everyone, really, and definitely have loved working with Marvel. But also I feel like this it wouldn't be a fourth Thor film for me. It would actually be a second... Mm-hmm. Ragnarok film in a way it feels like it'd be difficult for someone to make a Thor movie after your movie because you've so well, clearly great. like redefined the character. that makes me feel really good because okay. that I feel is exactly like how James must feel or the Russo's right. must feel it's like how do you follow that up and mm-hmm. I feel like on this you know with, with Ragnarok it'd be very hard to follow it up um, with a different team so some of the know. benefits of making a movie like this are that assuming you do it well it will be successful but that's also because it's part of a universe and there's an expectation and people don't don't necessarily know that you made this film. They know that it's part of Marvel movies, which they like to go see. Yeah, yeah. So how do you know if you, you nailed it or you, you made something that is special? Well, I knew for sure in, in, in some of the preview screenings. And how I know is when the audience laughs in the right places, they're quiet in the right places, and they're awake at the end. And <laughs> that's like, those are my three, like... <laughs> It's my checklist. Mm-hmm. But really, how I knew I'd made a Taika film and that it was going to work was, and again, don't mean to turn the conversation back on to Korg, but really it was about, it was all those times that he opens his mouth and says that weird, tangential, like um, strange, mundane shit, mm-hmm. and that they let it in the movie and in fact encouraged more of it to be in the movie. That I thought, whoa, this is very different for Marvel. 
it makes me very happy that you know I've got my style of comedy in here. Most of these Hollywood, what I'd call blockbuster films, the, the style of comedy is often just a joke that was written nine months before it was shot, and you know, and you can tell canned one liner. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like da, 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 blah 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 blah. And, you, and, and that elicits a sort of chuckle, I think, from audiences, you know, which is fine. It's a style. But in this film, there are jokes that just go on and on and, like, you know, you can tell that we're just riffing and we're making it up. You can tell that people are enjoying saying them. And, you know, and there are callbacks and there's just, you know, there's surreal jokes. There's great visual gags. There's a lot of stuff in there which um, I, you couldn't write. 12 months or yeah you couldn't write six months before shooting mm-hmm. and what's been amazing for me is that all of that stuff we came up with on the day is 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 in there in and the it's been allowed to be in there let's lean into Korg a little bit so you're, you're, you're <laughs> oh uh, god I was hoping you wouldn't talk yeah. about Korg <laughs> so you've appeared in all of your films all of my films yeah and you like doing that I do Korg, we should say, is a giant stone creature. Yeah, he's made of rocks. Um, and again, his introduction joke, that has no business being in a Marvel movie. Yep. The rock, paper, scissors gag. That, you know, how, did, how that even like, was allowed <laughs> to, get, to get past the filter? I like I the idea know. of rock, paper, scissors existing in other universes. Yeah, though. me that's, too. That's, that's appealing. So you mentioned Jermaine, Jermaine Clement, your yep. you know, partner, someone you've worked with a long time, you've known for many years. What does he make of your uh, your like rise to Hollywood power? Oh, I think he's um, he's quietly proud, very quietly. Mm-hmm. But more, he's publicly undermining he's you, public, though. Exactly, <laughs> all the time. Um, he uh, he's just jealous, man. He's just jealous <laughs> of my success. Yeah, he had his time. He had his chance. He blew it. Um, no, he. I think he just wants me to hurry up and finish this stuff so that we can get on with our other projects. Great segue. He's, Tell me what, what's, <laughs> what's that going to be? Um, well, we've got a um, in New Zealand. We're about to start shooting. I mean, he's like basically made me do this, and I'm trying to like enjoy enjoy my time as toast of the town as a big shot Hollywood director. Yes, and sir. he's making me go back to New Zealand to shoot a spin-off TV series. It's a spin-off from what we do in the shadows, which follows the two cops. Um, around uh, the small town in New Zealand as they investigate paranormal cases. So it's like a mockumentary, boring X-Files in New Zealand. That's very funny. And then I've got my own little thing, my own other scripts that I'm trying to do. I'm doing a bit of prep, which will be starting soon, on a stop-motion movie with um, Starburns Industries. Um, oh, that's very cool. Who did Anomalisa, mm-hmm. and this is a stop-motion um, based on a a script called Bubbles, which is about Michael Jackson's chimpanzee. And uh, it's sort of... A, call back the, to boy. Call back to boy in a way, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's actually really... It feels like everything is connected now. So, Taika, I like to wrap up by asking filmmakers what's the last great thing they've seen. What's yours? Get Out. I loved it so much. Yeah, what was it's the only reaction? thing I can remember mm-hmm. right now. A lot of people are saying that about 2017. It was one of the few films that I was like... You know this look that you know the act, the main actor, and that um, his name Dan, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel yeah. Kaluuya. He there's look certain looks that he gives in that film where his mouth is like kind of open and he's like looks like he's about to faint. And so I'm sure I like that was the expression on my face watching that movie. You know, throughout the entire film was just like my mouth was just like open and I was like 
I remember just thinking, just I probably was just thinking, get out, get out, get out, get out constantly. It just made me so panicked, but like in a way where I was just like, I freaking loved watching this movie. I loved it. I loved being in this environment. I just in that town and and trying to work it out. Like I was like, yeah, and I'm a, I'm pretty cynical and like I don't. If I hear that everyone loves a film, I feel like. It's, I'm in danger of not liking you know mm-hmm. I get really scared of seeing the film and what I do is I tend to like ignore it for a few months and just wait for all everything to die down and I see it in my own time and just so I can like not you know not be too kind of influenced by the, the chatter yeah it's the rare universal approval movie I don't anybody who's seen it I have not no, heard the, 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 even the most cynical person yeah. can't find a way you know what it. I loved about it it's like it wasn't like a star fest you know, there were good actors and actors who, if you knew them, you knew them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was totally drawn in to that film. Taika, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, I didn't want to. You forced me. <laughs> thank you for having me, man. <laughs>